All right. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to be with you all. Like Jesse said, this is my first time giving a message as a Bible teacher officially, like at Lansing Christian School. Um, and uh, it's, we're, we're just about like a month and a half into it. We're almost done with the first quarter. And I praise God every single day because I'm like, I have never done anything like this in my life. Um, the Lord's growing me. He's stretching me. Uh, there are stories out the wazoo. Like, it's kind of funny because uh, one of my freshmen, he, they, they, these two, they kept coming up to me like every single day. Can we play Duck Duck Goose? Can we play Duck Duck Goose in class? Can we play Duck Duck Goose? And I was like, I was like, where are you guys getting this idea from? And then, uh, and then they finally said, uh, one of them said, if I write a 500-word essay on, you know, if we could play Duck Duck Goose in class, would you let us? And I was like, maybe. And so, uh, <laughs> so I'm like, I don't even assign, you know, like that long of essays, but. And then, like, a couple days later, he walks into the classroom, oh, Mr. Williams, with, like, a whole two-page paper, 500 words, on why we should play Duck, Duck, Goose in class. And, and, I, and then and they were all like, can we, and he, I said, I said, would you like to present it in front of the class? And, and he said, uh, sure, I'll do it. And then, so he reads it in front of the entire class. They give him a standing ovation, and then they finally, then they all ask, like, almost in unison, can we please play Duck, Duck, Goose now? And then I was like, all right, everybody, move your chairs. And then everybody, then they got in the center of the room, and we played a couple rounds, and I was like, if the principal walks by right now, I'm like, I'm toast, I'm toast. But anyway... Uh, that's that's been kind of my experience so far with uh, Bible teaching. We don't play Duck Duck Goose every day, but they keep asking me every day. <laughs> but uh, it's it is it is an absolute privilege and honor to invest in another generation, uh, particularly Gen Z, where they uh, were. It's where it, there's a a huge need of just solid Bible teaching. Um, and the Lord has stuck me right in the middle of a generation that needs the, to know the basics of the gospel. And I see it as one of the highest honors and one of the highest privileges that I get to see them every day, that I get to pour into their lives every day, that I get to teach the Bible every day, and that I'm growing in the midst of it. And it, it's, so, it's so much fun. It's, it's, a, it's a ton of fun, and I really, really love being a Bible teacher. It's a lot of work, though. I go to sleep, you know, I could go to sleep at 6.30, you know, in the evening, but, you know, there's, there's work to be done. But today we're continuing our series um, talking about the coming of the Son of Man. And uh, we're, this is, we're, we're at the tail end of it, and today we're talking about one of my favorite subjects in the Bible, and it's the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, is that, that there, is a, there is a day and a time when that's, the sky will split, Jesus will return to the planet, and he will establish his rule and reign on the throne of David, and he will rule the planet for a thousand years in preparation for the throne of the Father to come and dwell in our midst here on the earth. 
And so I, I, this is one of my favorite subjects because it touches on a, a, a broad spectrum of things, including the resurrection, which is one of the most glorious truths of Scripture, but probably one of the ones that have been overlooked or not talked about as much, that our bodies, you know, when, when, we, when we are laid in the ground, when we die in Christ, when Jesus comes back and he speaks the word, we will, be resur- we will share in a resurrection like his with new glorified bodies and we will be with him forever and ever. And so we pick up today, uh, the, the book of Revelation ends where eternal life begins. And that's what we're picking up today is in Revelation 19 and 20. So I'm going to pray us in real quick, and then I have a question for you. I'm going to kind of bring a little bit of my teaching strategy in here, and then uh, we'll, get, we'll get going for today. So I'll pray us in, and then uh, we'll be good. We'll, we'll, we'll get rolling. So yeah, Father, we come before you saying thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, thank you that you have a plan of redemption, Lord, in which Jesus will come back and he will make all things right. In which Jesus will come, the glorious, beautiful, wonderful king that we all desire, that we all want. Lord, we just say thank you that this is your plan and that you are establishing us as your people and that you died for us, that we may be with you forever. And so, Lord, I'm asking that you would release the spirit of wisdom and of revelation today, um, that our hearts would be open and that our minds would understand what your word says. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, what I like to do in class is this thing called think, pair, share. <laughs> and if, you, if you've taught, you know, you know what I'm talking about. But I'm going to give you all a question. I want you to think about it just for a moment and then turn to the person next to you, talk about it a little bit, and then I'm just going to take some answers and then we'll kind of base, we'll kind of go off of that and dive into the passage. So the question is, what do you all think we will be doing in eternal life? What do you all think that we will be doing in eternity? So think about it for a moment and then turn to the person next to you and, uh, and talk about it. So think about it for a second. What will we be doing in eternal life? All right, go ahead and talk to the person next to you about what do you think we're going to be doing? What do you think we will do in eternal life? Okay, we'll bring it. We'll bring it back up here. Any anybody want anybody feel brave enough just to kind of just raise you raise your hand, kind of shout it out. Like, what will we be doing in eternal life? Yeah, Alex. Yeah. Okay, guys. We're yeah. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah, worshiping and doing things for the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Ask a lot of questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody will say, like, okay, when I get to heaven, I got some questions. I got some things I want to ask. Yeah, anybody anybody else? Yeah, well, what will we be doing in eternal life? Yeah. Singing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really good. Really good. Yeah. Anybody Anybody else? Yeah. Miss Irene. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good. Okay, yeah, and, that, and that's kind of where we're picking up today 
is talking about, you know, we, we understand, okay, those of us who have said yes to Jesus, we've received eternal life, but the question is, when we cross over to eternal life, what will we be doing? <laughs> and you all, you all really got it, the essence of it. And this is where I'm picking up here in the introduction, um, if you guys have the notes. It says, the book of Revelation ends where eternal life begins, where we have the marriage supper of the Lamb, the millennium, the defeat of Satan, hallelujah, and the white throne judgment. And, but amid the greatest transition in human history, we, are, we will be given one vocation, and it's being kingly priests. Is that we will rule and reign with Jesus forever like when he comes and he sets his throne on the earth it's we we're not just floating around with angel babies or whatever you know like that's what a lot of people think we'll be doing on clouds and stuff but we will actually have a position in which we will rule and reign with Jesus directing giving direction and uh and coordinating the uh the trajectory of the new creation like this will be our responsibility as kingly priests and if you were with us uh last summer I we did a whole series on our identity as priests and one of the things that we didn't touch on was our identity as eternal priests, that we will be priests forever. <laughs> and uh, a priest is, you know, they, they would, you know, work in the temple and they would worship. Basically, priests are ministers to the Lord and blessings to people. As we begin to bless and minister to the Lord in worship and singing and song and all of these things, we're ministering to him we become a blessing to the people around us. And so that's what we talked about last summer. Um, we have a whole entire series on that. But today we're talking about our eternal priesthood. Because the truth of the matter is that we won't always be business people. We won't always be teachers. We won't always be janitors. We won't always be firefighters or all of these different things. But we will always be priests before the Lord is that we will always be priests before the Lord. So go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 19 and 20, and we'll be working through these things. And I'm just going to talk about uh, more so the events of Revelation 19 and 20, and then really where we're going to dive into is talking about our identity as the eternal priests, as, as eternal priests. <clears throat> so I'm going to read... Uh, a segment here, a portion of Revelation 19, Revelation 19 chapter uh, verses 1 through uh, probably 8 right here. And this is, the, this is the part where we get to see uh, the wedding celebration of the Lamb, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it says this, after Babylon is destroyed, after these things, I heard what sounded like the the loud voice of a vast throng in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her sexual immorality and has avenged the blood of his servants poured out by her own hands. Then a second time the crowd shouted, Hallelujah, the smoke rises from her forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures threw themselves to the ground and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen. 
Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you his servants and all you who fear him, both the small and the great. And it says, then I heard what sounded like the voice of a vast throng, like the roar of many waters and like loud crashes of thunder. They were shouting, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the all-powerful reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory because the wedding celebration of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. She was permitted to be dressed in bright, clean, fine linen, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And so we pick up here in Revelation 19 in which Jesus finally gets what his heart is longing for, what the Father has planned from eternity past, is this presentation of the church, this presentation of the bride, the one that Jesus, his eternal companion, and that's us, is that we, our destiny is to be united with Jesus forever is to be united with Jesus forever. And this is the pinnacle of the biblical narrative, that Jesus is receiving the reward of his suffering. Just like Adam, when he was, you know, fast asleep, and God took that rib out of his side and made Eve his bride. And he says, this is finally flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. Jesus, who was pierced in the side with the spear, and the blood and the water poured out, purchased for himself a bride, purchased for himself a companion, an eternal companion, and that's us, the church, is that we are a people that Jesus purchased on the cross that we would be with him forever. Hallelujah. <laughs> that we would be with him forever in eternity and that this is the pinnacle of the biblical narrative. And in Revelation 19, we see Jesus revealed as this bridegroom, that he's desiring, his desire for this eternal companion has reached all the way down redemptive history. And we get a picture now of that completion, of that fulfillment, of that culmination that we have become, uh, that we are now, that we have the marriage supper of the Lamb in which we are now united with Jesus forever as his beloved bride. And we see the rest in, uh, in, in Revelation 19, verse 11. This is what I'm picking up here, and I'll read this passage here too. It says, Then I saw heaven opened, and there came a white horse. The one riding it was called Faithful and True, and with justice he judged and goes to war. His eyes are like a fiery flame, and there are many diadem crowns on his head. He has a name written that no one knows except himself. He is dressed, he is dressed in clothing dipped in blood, and he is called the Word of God. The armies that are in heaven, dressed in white, clean, fine linen, were following him on white horses. From his mouth extends a sharp sword, so that with it he can strike the nations, he will rule them with an iron rod, and he stomps the winepress of the furious wrath of God, the all-powerful. He has a name written on his clothing and on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw one angel standing in the sun, and he shouted in a loud voice to all the birds flying high in the sky, 
Come, gather around for the great banquet of God to eat your fill of the flesh of kings, the flesh of generals, the flesh of powerful people, the flesh of horses and those who ride them, and the flesh of all people, both free and slave and small and great. And he goes on and he describes, he says, Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to do battle with the one who rode the horse and with his army. Now the beast was seized, and along with him the false prophet who had performed the signs in, on his behalf, signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Both of them were thrown alive into the lake of fire, burning with sulfur. The others were killed by the sword that extended from the mouth of the one who rode the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves with their flesh." Now, when you look at this passage, it's kind of like, whoa, you know, this is really intense. <laughs> this is really intense here. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know, what, is, what on earth is going on? And really, there is this dichotomy of, of light and dark, really. And we see this a lot in the book of Revelation, and we see this a lot in Scripture, is that the good news is this. For those of us who are in Jesus we will be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. <laughs> and we, we'll be getting our party on. I don't know exactly what it'll look like, but we'll be doing something. I don't know. I don't know if we'll do it like a TikTok dance. or I don't know. We'll be doing something. We'll be, we'll be having a good time. <laughs> I know that for sure. But the opposite end of this is that all of those who are opposed to Jesus will meet his fury. All of those who are opposed to Jesus will meet his wrath. I remember there was a moment when I was in uh, college, when I was in Bible college, and we had, we, I think we were in our apologetics class or something like that, where we were talking about difficult subjects in the Bible, and one of them was the wrath of God. How could God be, you know, so loving? We see him in the Old Testament and, you know, him commanding, you know, a lot of, like, conquering lands and, you know, the, you know all of these things. And, we were wrestling with that question, and I remember there was a moment where something was rising up on the inside of me um, to really combat a lot of the stuff that people were saying, because the truth of the matter is this, is that if we are offended at what God did in the Old Testament and all of those things, then you, we will be extremely offended when the Jesus that we worship we, that we worship comes and he slaughters the kings of the nations. Like I, 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 I said, I rose my hand. I said, I got something to say when I was in class. I said, if we are offended at this, you know, the, the, the stuff that happened in Joshua, then we will be extremely offended at this right here. Because the Jesus that we see, beautiful Jesus, glorious God, the one who is majestic in all of his ways, what happens when those eyes of fire meet his opposition? That he, that he has the, the fury and the jealousy of a husband in which he says, I am, I am coming to strike down all those who oppose me, all those that everything that hinders love, I am coming to remove it and nothing will stand in my way. That is, that, that is the eyes of fire that we see in Jesus in Revelation 19. And it says that all of the kings of the nation that were opposed, and this is God's, this is not only God, Jesus' jealousy for his people, but it's also his jealousy for Jerusalem. Is that Jerusalem in the scriptures are mentioned like over a thousand times. 
And because it's the city that God has chosen to establish the throne of David and that where he will rule not only the planet but the universe from that city. And he says, this is my jealousy for Jerusalem. He says, I am coming to rule, I am coming to conquer, and nothing will stand in my way. All of the Antichrist armies, I will strike down with the breath of my mouth. And we see this intense picture here in Revelation 19. And Jesus is not only, he, in, the, in his first coming, he was a lamb led to the slaughter. And his blood was for the redemption of the world, for the removing of sins. But when he comes again, he will be a lion. He will be a lion and nothing will stand in his way in between his people and his city. <laughs> and his city. And I just love talking about it because, because we, see, we see the Lord, his affection for David in the Old Testament that David was this king who desired the presence of the Lord and the establishing of his temple, that David will find a home for the Lord on the earth. And Jesus, the son of David, is fulfilling the prophecies. He is coming and he is establishing the rule and reign that was foretold by the prophets. And we see this and we pick that up in Revelation 20. And so I'll read this right here is, Revelation 20, verses 1 through 6. Revelation 21 through 6. It says, Then I saw an angel descending from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the abyss and a huge chain. He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, and tied him up for a thousand years. The angel then threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it so that he could not deceive the nations until the 1,000 years were finished. After these things, he must be released for a brief period of time. And this is the glorious part, and this is pretty much where we'll land here today, is that I saw thrones and seated on them were, tho were those who had been given authority to judge. I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. These had not worshipped the beast or his image and had refused to receive his mark on their forehead or hand. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who takes part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And so in Revelation 20, we see Jesus will establish his thousand-year kingdom, his thousand-year reign after his victory for Jerusalem that we saw in Revelation 19, ruling and reigning with the saints, with us. This is the fulfillment of many messianic prophecies and promises that the root of Jesse and the descendant of David would actually have a throne on the earth. And uh, we, see, we see this, you know, in 2 Samuel 7, God comes to David because, you know, David made this vow and this covenant in his heart. He says, Lord, I want to find you a resting place on the earth. I want to make you a house. And 
the Lord comes to David and he says, you have promised to make me a house. This is what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you a house. He's like, I'm going to build your family. I'm going to build your kingdom and you will have a descendant on your throne forever. That's the promise in 2 Samuel 7. And, you know, Solomon, Solomon comes, you know, he's, he's a down payment. But I think he thought sometimes he was like the fulfillment. He was like, he was like God promised David, my father, that, I, that he would have a descendant on the throne. And Solomon says that when he's, you know, um, uh, uh, establishing the temple and dedicating it. But I think the Lord's looking. He's like, no, Solomon, you're just a down payment of what the king is going to look like in wisdom and in ruling and in reigning. And it says there's this passage that I love that describes David's rule and reign. It said that everything that he did pleased the people. And it's the same thing for Jesus, is that when he comes to rule and reign, there is not a decision that he will make that will displease us. We will look at him and we will say, oh, your leadership is so good. Oh, Jesus, everything that you say is so good. Like, you know, like we get into those moments where it's either, you know, maybe our boss or, you know, it's, you know, somebody who is, you know, in office or things of that sort. And you're kind of like in disagreement. Like, I just wouldn't have done it the way that they did it. It won't be like that in the thousand year reign. When, when every single time that Jesus makes a decision, oh, you are so good at leading this kingdom. You are so good at what you do. But the truth of the matter is this, is that we will be ruling and reigning with him. Is that we won't just be bystanders, we will be people who will be ruling and reigning with Jesus. Like, check, check this out in verse, uh, in, in verse 6. It says, blessed and holy is the one who takes part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him. They will reign with him for a thousand years. And so I just want to touch really quickly on the resurrection. Is that in Revelation 20, the resurrection of the dead occurs in which the dead in Christ will rise to rule and reign with him on the earth. That Jesus, he talks about it in John chapter 5, and he says that there will be a day when I come back and I will speak and all of those who are dead in Christ will be raised to life again. And that Paul, he talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, our bodies will be sown in dishonor, but, we, but we'll be raised in glory. That we, that we will be, we will, our bodies right now are weak and fragile and we're susceptible to disease and all of these afflictions and all of these things. But when we are laid in the, when we are laid in the ground, that glorious moment when Jesus comes back, he will speak the word with the trumpet sound, the voice of an archangel, and the sky will split and the whole thing, and he'll speak, and in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed and transformed, and we will have new glorified bodies, hallelujah, that will never see corruption again. <laughs> like this is the glory of the resurrection. It's one of those things that's kind of mind-boggling, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen because the word of God says it. <laughs> and you could take it to the bank. Like it like this is going to happen 
in which the bodies that we have right now, I don't know what we're going to look like, but it's going to be glorious. Because, because the Apostle Paul, he says that, you know, there's variations and degrees of glory, but he compares it to the glory of the sun, the moon, the stars, and the light that radiates. I can't imagine the kind of glory that will be shining off of us in the resurrection. Hallelujah. You know, if we were to behold God in all of his glory and all of his beauty, we'd probably blow up right now. <laughs> Our eyes would be fried out and melted and everything, just, oh, killed by glory, <laughs> you know. But in the resurrection, that's not so. Because the promise, it ultimately, that you see in Revelation uh, 21 and 22 is that we will see the face of God the Father. And we'll see his face and we won't blow up. <laughs> it's the Psalm 27 for reality. God, all I want to do is just gaze upon your beauty all the days of my life. He says, it's going to happen one day. It's going to happen and you'll be able to contain it. Because the resurrected glorified bodies that you will have will be able to contain the glory that's coming. But what the thing is, is that we as priests, this is what it says about us as priests. The priests that they would do, they would minister to the Lord in worship and singing and song and prayer and talking and all of these things. Is that just as the angels and the, and the elders, when they behold his glory, they fall prostrate and they say, holy, 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 holy. Is that we will be completely overwhelmed and undone by the glory that we are beholding from God and his son. That when we see, when we look at them, it'll be, oh, I have never seen you this way before. I remember uh, just a couple weeks ago, I was describing the glory of the millennium to, <laughs> to my seniors. <laughs> and and they, they, you know, one of them said, that sounds absolutely boring. And I was like, I was like, you need to get your mind renewed. I was like, I was like, that's literally what I said. They, they said, they said, doesn't that, doesn't that sound like, totally boring like like what, what do you do I was like I was like I, I leaned on my podium and I said we don't have renewed minds yet I was like I was like we gotta we gotta think a little bit higher guys because 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 I, I told them I said I said we're gonna be worshiping the Lord forever and we're gonna be ruling and reigning with him on the earth it's gonna be glorious and they said that sounds boring and I was like I was like you're boring. I was like, I was like, I was like this. I was like, you all do not understand. I was like, you all do not understand the glory that we will be encountering and the glory that we will have in the age to come. And I was like, you just wait. You just wait. I will, I will look for you out of all the billions of saints that are there. I want to see your jaw drop because, because, because it is going to be glorious. It's not going to be boring. I just want to put that out there. We will be beholding the glory of God forever, and it will be glorious. But we won't only be worshiping the Lord, but we actually get a say in the way that he rules and reigns his kingdom. Like he is, he's not a, he's not such a king that he would just uh, run over and just do it the way that he wants to do it. The, the Lord is looking for partnership, that the Lord is looking for us to actually, say, he, he, 
how great of a leader that he values our voice. How great of a leader, the one who is the second person of the Trinity, the one who is the the glorified son of God, exalted forever, the blessed lamb of God, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the one who will rule and reign on his throne forever and ever, who has all the power. He is the creator. He is the uncreated creator. He is the one who is from eternity past, and he will never, ever end. And, and he was the one who is the, uh, the, the, the rightful king to sit on the throne of David. He has all the power in the universe, and he says, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it means to rule and reign with Jesus. What do you think about this? What do you think? I'm, I'm about to make this decision and I want you in my counsel. I'm about to make this decision and I want your say in it. I want to hear your voice. And that's the destiny of all of us who are in Christ Jesus. Is that we will be priests forever who will behold his beauty but we will be kings as well, that we will rule and reign with him, and it will be glorious. But what does that mean for us today? What does that mean for us right now? And it's this, is that we can learn to reign right now. Because the glory of Jesus being king and the glory of us being priests is that it's not just the way that we rule and reign is not just about, you know, okay, we got a here's a here's a document stamp. Okay, next one, stamp. But the way that we will rule and reign is exactly through singing song talking to the Lord and all of these things. That's our duty as priests is that we worship, we talk to the Lord, we grow in the knowledge of who he is, and we execute righteous and just judgments. Like that's, that's a part of, like the, uh, Paul, he talks to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 6, and he says, you all have tr- like tr- trials, you know, you're, you're beefing between each other, but he's saying, he's saying, don't you all know you will judge angels? Like, don't you, like, 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 learn how to exact, like, righteous judgment now. Like, learn how to judge rightly and correctly according to the word of God now. Because he says, in the millennium, in the age to come, you will be judging angels. <laughs> and so the way, that we, the way that we begin to rule and reign now is beginning to understand our identity as priests before the Lord. It's standing before him in holiness. It's about growing in the knowledge of who he is, learning his character, learning his heart, learning, oh my gosh, this is what you're like. And we also rule and reign by simply talking to him. And I mean, we're people of prayer. That's who we are. That's what we do. That's who we is. <laughs> like, like that's, that's, what, that's what we do. We're a people of prayer and it doesn't change. It'll, it'll ramp up in glory and in power Um, But we learn by ministering to the Lord now and by talking to him now and by learning his word now and who he is in his word and how he's described to be, 
this is how we begin to rule and reign now. This is how we, this is our training. This is our internship. Because when things get, you know, when he, when he comes back and he establishes his millennial reign, beloved, we're going to be reigning with him. We have a glorious destiny in Jesus. We have a glorious destiny in the age to come. Amen. Amen. Okay, Jesse, I'm going to invite you up and we'll close right here. And I'm going to invite you all to stand. I'm going to invite you all to stand and talking about ruling and reigning with Jesus. And I'm going to ask one that the Lord will reveal our identity and our, the glory of our identity um, as priests and kings before him. But then also, for those of us who may not um, have received Jesus, because this first resurrection, I didn't even touch Satan's defeat in the great white throne, the, the great white throne judgment, is that one day Satan will be defeated. That it won't always be like this. <laughs> That's the good news. It won't always be like this. Is that Satan will be bound and that we will rule and reign with Jesus and we will experience, that's the first resurrection, that we will be brought to life uh, in Christ and sharing in a resurrection like his. But after the thousand years is over, when the thousand year reign is over, that there will be a second resurrection. And that will be the resurrection of the unjust, those who are not found in Jesus. And it's, it describes here, um, just at the end of Revelation 20, that there is, a, there is a destiny for those who are not found in Jesus. And, you know, it's not talked about enough but, or talked about a lot, but it's the lake of fire where it's the, it's, it's the second death in which people will be there forever. And so that's not to scare. That's, I mean, it's scary and it's heavy and it's daunting, but that's the biblical truth and the biblical reality. Praise Jesus that he saved us from it. And today is the day of salvation for those of us who have not said yes to Jesus. For those of us who say, I want to share in the glory of the first resurrection to rule and reign with Jesus. That's what I want to share and that's, what, that's where I want to be. Today is the day of salvation and today is the invitation to say yes to Jesus. So I'm going to just pray, one, that the Lord would reveal the glory of our identity as priests and kings before him, but then also the invitation to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior today. So, Father, we come before you saying thank you for the redemption that we've received in and through the blood of Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross. Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you would reveal the glory of our identity as priests before you kings before you and that you will rule and reign that we will rule and reign with your son so lord i say thank you lord that this is who we are father i'm also asking in the name of jesus that those who um may be on the fence about jesus lord i'm asking that you would bring them to saving faith today lord to trust in the name of your son jesus lord i'm asking um for those who say, I want to follow Jesus with all of my heart, Lord, that today would be the day of salvation. Now is the moment to say, Jesus, I believe you are Lord and Savior of my life. I believe that your blood wipes away and cleanses me of my sin and, purchase, and, and purifies 
my conscience to God. That this is who we are. The day is today of salvation. Father, we just say thank you that you are so kind to us and so merciful to us. We just magnify and glorify the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Death could not hold you.